I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. Beyond the Sea was fantastic. It was largely in part to the acting. I mean, Brad Dourif and Gillian uh, Anderson do work really well together. You can tell... Silence of the Lambs is very much in the show's DNA, and you can tell – I mean, this is very much them doing a Silence of the Lambs plot and holding their own against, you know, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, frankly. Uh, and then Gender Bender has a lot of really scary scenes, but when it starts to eat shit, it eats all of the shit and just completely collapses in a wonderfully horrific train crash. I would agree with that to some some <laughs> degree. I, I think that I mean, you get it this way. I mean, Beyond the Sea is a fantastic yeah. episode of the show, and it's also I think the one of the first episodes of the show, if not the first episode of the X Files, that broadens out how it tells its stories in a way that actually works and is really really resonant with the themes of the show, yeah. and also with the frankly, the strengths of the, our two main actors. Yeah. Uh, we get, in, in this episode, we we get almost a role reverse. So we get Scully, who is the one who is very much believing in something paranormal as the in this situation. We have Mulder, who's the one who says, I mean, he makes a point to say, yes, I believe very much in psychics and visions and all that, but that's not the case here. And frankly, Mulder, as the person who did spend a good chunk of his career in uh, it, with forensic psychology who knows this guy actually. Uh, we do believe him, but at the same time, there are enough things that he is telling Scully, particularly around her father, that w- while, while she admit, but she does admit the possibility that, yes, he, he's, he's just that good that he's able to learn that. But, I mean, I like how, I like how unresolved the episode is. It is very ambiguous as to did we see a genuine was this guy Boggs uh genuinely psychic was he setting this up did he was he just very disturbed and believed that he was psychic there are a lot of possibilities here yeah there are a lot of possibilities and and i think key to the episode is the strength of the actor who who played Boggs. i mean mm-hmm. he's a he's a really He's a famous character actor in, in some circles. I mean, he was on a very he's on he was on a very good episode of Babylon Five. Um, he's on a very good episode of Star Trek Voyager, which he, you will find out about uh, he, in the future. He plays the main villain in Mist Three. I did not know that. He's but. very good at pl- he's he's a master at playing this kind of character. Yes. The very weird, disturbed, kind of scary, but still very charismatic kind of character. A- absolutely, and. I think key to this is again. This was written by um, Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who wrote your okay. fav- favorite episode, Squeeze. <laughs> but this is a very, very, very well plotted, strong yeah. episode of the show. And you know, key to it, I think, is is placing Scully in a, in a real place of of emotional turmoil and vulnerability, mm-hmm. and having her her defenses be down because of the death of her father, the sudden death of her father, yeah. and. He dies that, as soon as he's introduced, essentially. Right. And that, which, you know, we can talk about. but And that makes her almost, not necessarily a, a victim of Boggs, but, but makes her open to the possibilities mm. that she is not otherwise open to because she is so devoted to science and she is so devoted to uh, uh, the scientific method that she's usually not 
uh, open to these things because she is incredibly skeptical. And she's also, for, you know, frankly, in a place of, of, of strong emotional uh, control. But in this episode, she's not. And, you know, Boggs is able to, to, to use her father's mm-hmm. death. I don't know that I really... I mean, I don't necessarily buy the episode's explanation that Boggs could have found out all this information about yeah. her father, especially in a pre-internet era. Um, but, you know, it's also like, do inmates actually get newspaper deliveries in their cell? I don't know about that. But, you know, to your point, at the end of the episode, when she's talking to Mulder in, in the hospital bed and they're kind of summing up the events of the episode, her, you know, I read that in a very different way. I read her justification for it as oh well i don't know if this really happened i don't know if yeah. it was really psychic as more of an attempt for her to to, to convince herself yeah. that it didn't happen not that she actually believed that he wasn't psychic well yeah she she's i think a, she's freaked out yeah she this is a show that lives in the point zero 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 one percent of things and so she needs to she is maybe she is clinging to that zero zero one percent of well he could have learned that it was played at his funeral and he could have had somebody spying on me i don't know as unlikely as that is it does still exist as a possibility in the world and as and you're right she is afraid of a faith about the faith that will change her she's afraid of going too deep as Mulder has gone she is worried about what this means whether the she has a couple of visions of her father throughout the episode yeah. and coming with coming being confronted with the evidence that Boggs is legitimately psychic would mean that yes yeah, she actually w- would translate to she actually did have a vision of her father at the end not going to allows her to place that under I was tired I'm stressed there's this case everything is you know, I had some wine. You know, she can make her excuses for this. It's it's because when a, I have wine, I have visions of dead uh, relatives. Well, no, it, it, it's it, she, I think she knows how lame the excuses kind of are. Yeah, it's true. But well, I, I I don't. I think it's important that there's two different paranormal things going on yeah. in this episode, and I also think that it's her justifications for how Boggs could know this stuff are, are so demonstrably grasping at straws. I mean, one of them is she says that beyond the sea played at her parents' wedding. And it's like, how would yes. anybody find that out? You know, that's just not uh, that. I mean, that's so implausible as to be almost impossible. Yeah. If, if uh, again, if this episode were made today, yes, you know, I put that on my Facebook at one point, you know, oh, my parents' favorite song, it was at their wedding, you know, it's nice to hear this again. And, uh, and all right, you're right, she doesn't have a social media profile to... And as an aside, it is kind of creepy how easy it is to, for someone to, to pull oh, yeah. this off nowadays, but, uh, 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 and it's our fault because we put all this stuff online, but... Yeah, but... He gets information that he couldn't have gotten even if he is good at a cold reading. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, the episode does leave it ambiguous as to whether or not, I, I, you know, it's it's funny because you're right. Like, it's it's a it's a role reversal for Mulder and Scully. Mulder is obviously not believing Boggs and, and Mulder, and Scully is believing him to some degree. And it, it, it's also interesting to me because in a certain way, it's also reversing the ways in which these two characters approach these mysteries. You know, Scully has a very, very particular scientific mindset, and if it doesn't match up with her understanding of the scientific method, she is going to be very closed off to mm-hmm. it. Whereas 
Mulder is always very open to things. And in this episode, he conducts a little experiment by giving Bob yeah. a, a section of T-shirt that he, he puts in an evidence bag. You know, sort of the power of suggestion. And Boggs has this dramatic, psychic reading of something that's happening right now to the kidnapped man and woman. Yeah. And it's obviously bullshit because... Uh, well, I will say Mulder thinks it's obviously bullshit because the T-shirt is ripped off of something that he owned. Yeah. And Mulder is you, he's coming up with an experiment to prove that Boggs is not real. Yeah. When, you know, Mulder usually would be more open-minded than that. Yeah, there is the possibility that, yeah, I mean, yes, it definitely wasn't the right, you know, Boggs wasn't channeling from the shirt. But that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't channeling and you know, an event that actually happened again, is he telling what he knows is happening because he's working with his partner or, uh, otherwise, I mean, that scene, I thought it was really masterful what they do with music in that scene, because I mean, it's entirely, there's an entirely silent soundtrack while he's having the vision. So there are no non, you know, there are no non diegetic clues telling us, you know, if there were dramatic music, then yes, we would believe he's seeing a vision, but we just have to go with, what we're presented, which is what Scully and Mulder would have. And then at the end of the scene, when he starts to uh, make the references, oh, hey, Starbuck, you know, and all of that, that's when the that's when the creepy music starts to go in, which leads us as which puts us in the position of Scully. It kind of suggests that, yes, we are to believe this. I, I think so. I mean, I definitely and- come down on the side that that Boggs is experiencing the, these things mm-hmm. you know legitimately and and part of that of course is that the X-Files so far yeah. has been a show where everything all the paranormal stuff has been to some degree real it, it, it's not the show that is kind of saying that these things are not real and so you know it, it, certainly it's something that I think the show might play with in the future about about upending our expectations yeah. about how the show constructs these storylines but you know for right now I I don't know that the show is at a place where it can really uh, say that Boggs is not actually yeah. having these visions, and that, but that's really the tension of the episode. That Scully is in such a place that she is willing to entertain this notion. Yeah, I mean, there are even could be. It isn't even an all or nothing situation. It, this could be a literal. You know, yes, he he had somebody follow Scully. She followed her to the funeral. He learned about the song. He's working with this guy. He knows that, and th- there is the one detail that Scully believes is a incontrovertible is that he knew that you know oh don't go near the the devil or something like that he 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 seemed to get an actual vision that there would be danger that sequence if he and uh the killer had planned it together he wouldn't have warned her of that he would have you know the the killer would not have gone on to this if that if that had been a trap that they had planted so she does believe that that at least that warning was real although there's an alternate explanation yeah. for that, which is that Boggs didn't tell him about the bridge. Be- yeah. But then how would Boggs know about it? Because Boggs has been in prison. Well, but, so- but, but then going with the theory of, so he has somebody following around Scully. Okay, you know, saw through that board. You know, at some point he's going to go through an accident. Right, right. Because, of course, Boggs, you know, I, I don't know that Boggs would really care that his accomplice was was killed it frankly would help his case a little more because then you know dead men tell no tales but yeah at at, though at the end of the day i almost i think the ambiguity is very important and it almost doesn't matter because what matters is that scully has gotten to the point where she has opened up to this and yet is still a little too scared to 
fully go through the door. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that you're starting to see that that one of the central tensions or one of the central interests of the X-Files is, is faith. Yes. And one of the things that I always appreciate about the X-Files, and I think that you will come to appreciate about it as well, is that there there is a, a very... Uh, there's a strain of Catholic yeah. mysticism that is flowing throughout this show that I think Beyond the Sea is the first kind of example of. And it's not explicitly Catholic, of course, because there is no mention of religion. There is no mention of the Catholic Church. Mm. There's no mention of rights. There's no mention of anything about that kind of stuff. But, you know, Scully is, you know, it will be revealed later that she is a person yeah. of faith and that she does believe in God and she believes in in the Catholic religion, at least in as much as as... Um, as she was raised to, I mean, yeah. it's not like she's going to church every week and stuff. But you know, she wears a cross. Yes, and that, like that is very obvious, and and it's not incidental that this takes place around Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Easter could be the only you know more on the nose way of doing that. But yeah, and so for me, I look at this episode, and and you know, because I had talked to uh, last week a little bit about how, especially in in, in fire, it, you know, the show doesn't work when it's dredging up these old relationships that Mulder and Scully have had. And the one area that that does work in the one area where I feel the show does work is when it brings in their, their families. And this is the first instance that we ever see any of Scully's family. And so we meet her mother, we meet her father, her father of course dies almost immediately, but it, it gives a little bit more depth to the yeah. character without it feeling like it's coming from a completely different show. Yeah. I, I, I will say I thought that they were setting up something suspicious with the father's death, especially because of the way the – oh, we lost your father. She she phrases it weirdly. The fact that they're not doing any military honors that he's due is weird. You know, there, there's a few odd parts with the episode in that, but, but I think but that's – You, you kind of get the impression from the episode that her father was a little bit eccentric. Yeah, may, maybe a little aloof. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's, aloof is right. I think well, he's the the actor who plays them is also one of those he characters in Twin Peaks. I yeah. believe he's a uh, Stargate. He's in. Uh, he play. He's very good at playing these gruff military. You know, tough tough men who are still very loving, and you know maybe they don't necessarily express it, but as, right. as as Scully ends the episode, she doesn't need to have, you know, Boggs interpret her father's message because she was a, you know, her relationship with her father. There were things unsaid that she still knew. Yeah, and and there is an element. I mean, the faith element is also mm-hmm. present in her relationship with her father, of course, yeah. because there is an element of faith in any relationship that we have, and sort of, you know, you never really know what someone else is thinking about you, and. You just have to kind of go with the idea that they love you and that they respect you and they're happy for you and proud of you. And I I think that's kind of what the the undercurrent of her father's death in this entire episode is really about, is about another way in which Scully's faith is being tested because she never got that confirmation. And, and, you know, part of, I think, what this episode is, is saying or trying to say is that that's precisely why faith is so difficult because mm. you never get confirmation of it. Yeah. And, and it also maybe says something about the futility of Mulder's quest as well. Hmm. Yeah. The, whether he will find the truth or not. I mean, they, they are, they are searching for the truth and I guess all they can do is maybe if they can never get the truth, well, at least they save the two people who were, you know, kidnapped by this guy and the killer has been stopped. At the end of the day, 
they may not be able to figure out every mystery. They're going to be left with this wondering, you know, and Boggs is dead. That's never going to, she's never going to get an answer, but right. that's the best that they can do. They can at least help the victims. They can at least, I, I, I mean, I think there is, I wouldn't say that the show is creating a dichotomy between faith and science. This is one where they can exist together. Scully is willing to be convinced by evidence that the supernatural exists because the supernatural does leave traces. There are things that she has seen and will, I assume, continue to see throughout the series that will demonstrate to her, okay, the paranormal, whatever it is in the X-Files, does often exist. And But, yeah, and, I, you know, I don't want to sidetrack the conversation too much, but, but you know, if you see, you know, scientific evidence that the supernatural or the paranormal exists, you know, are they still yeah. the supernatural? Are they still the paranormal? I mean, you know, the, 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 the show is not really, I think, equipped to answer those yes. questions yet. Maybe it never is. I don't know. But, well, I do know, but... I'm pretending yeah. I don't for your benefit, but you know I, I think that there's a there is a strain of that as well. Well, yeah, going with the dictionary de- definition of UFO, it's just something flying that we don't know what it is yet, and it, the understanding that well, we can find out that it was a weather balloon. It was not right. any less of a UFO, it, but it doesn't necessarily mean aliens. There is an explanation, and again, aliens may be as paranormal as you can get, but. They are still within the realm of science. Yeah, they are still within the realm of science. And, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing about, you know, where the X-Files is going so far is that it's got these, now it's got this other wrinkle with, with yeah. Scully's, you know, faith or not. But yeah, extraterrestrials are not paranormal. There's a kind of God of the Gaps kind of theme going around here. Uh, what that specifically means is that science supposedly can... Uh, explain everything right except there are definite limits to science those limits shift year to year as we get more knowledge as we but there is always a gap in knowledge and that is filled with faith with god with religion with philosophy with metaphysics um and i i would say that Mulder is interested in the metaphysical scully is interested in enlightening the metaphysical and making it scientific maybe more mundane she is more expand interested in expanding the realm of science and and he and he is he is, is interested in seeing what's out of the realms. so they're kind of two halves again this is the the reason that scully and Mulder work well very well together is that they are do complement each other and this is another way in which yeah. the two of their investigations do you know do, do do dovetail against each other they they do and i i, I think that the the episode's strength also again is is in sidelining Mulder and yeah. leaving Scully alone for a large portion of it and and also in in this would be a very different show if the characters were not fully formed mm. and were not complement not complicated people with with uh, you know cognitive biases and uh, yeah you know kind of you know uh, uh, contradictory information that they keep in their head and things like that. And so you kind of see this in this episode as well, which I think is another reason why it's so strong. Yeah. And the other thing too, of course, is that, you know, Mulder and Scully's relationship is, is still developing and evolving. I mean, this is only the 13th episode of the show. So yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think it's, I mean, we've never really talked about the fact that they call themselves by their last names, but this episode kind of calls attention to that because, 
when Scully comes into the office after her father dies, Mulder calls her Dana, and she seems taken aback. Yeah, by that she slightly. just she mutters it under her breath. Like it's it. They notice it's weird. It's not necessarily that it's too familiar, but it's like it's too familiar. It, I mean, he touches her hair at one point. I so. mean, it's it's not it, it it's uh, she doesn't seem the kind of person who likes being coddled and oh are you okay and you know again she's saying i need to get i need to work she loses herself in this case to almost her peril in yeah uh, but she doesn't want to be she's not going to respond well to you need to take it easy you yeah need to, yeah you know, maybe Mulder should have found something a little less chaotic for her to do but she is a person who needs to do something and uh the I don't know that character is. I, I think that's right, and I I, I like the fact that Mulder yeah. just accepts it. He doesn't question. Yeah. It. Like, okay, you got to work. You got to work. I'm going to let you do what you need to do. But in a way, we also this I think dovetails with her realization that she did know that her you know what her father felt about her work and all of that because she doesn't need Mulder you know giving her hugs and calling her Dana and, you know, giving her soup and, you know, making sure that she's okay to know that Mulder cares about her well-being and that, you know, he wants the best for her. Frankly, she finds it weird when he's making such a show of it. And again, Mulder and Scully are a little more brother and sister. They aren't a father-child relationship, but the implication is that Scully didn't have a relationship with her father where he was always telling her he loved her and was proud of her but it went unsaid and she was fine with that and i think this episode suggests that she and Mulder are going to have that kind of relationship they're not always going to be verbally or physically affirming it they don't need to they know that it's the two of them again again it's the two of them against the world and they're the ones who are going they're always going to be there for each other and you know whether whatever name they're calling each other yeah i i think that's true i do appreciate that she got to be really scary with that gas you out of existence bit. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, again, I just have to highlight yeah. the fact that that you know Jillian Anderson was was definitely the right choice for this role, and yeah. you know, I'm glad that they fought for her because she no. she's doing some great work on this show, and specifically in that episode and that scene. Yeah. Is... Again, this wouldn't have worked as the pilot or even the first episode you see because. I mean, the reason that moment was so shocking is because we've had this level of where Skelly is emotionally. We've seen her heightened, and she's never gotten that far. So the fact that she's burst through her emotional ceiling to the part of screaming that she wants this guy to be, you know, executed and die, and not even just dead, but gassed out of existence, you son of a bitch, is, oh my god, this is how on edge she is in this episode. This is where he's gotten her to. Yeah, yeah. And and also the fact that she is so emotionally vulnerable that that is really yeah. highlighting her emotional vulnerability as well. Yeah. But I was like the fact that, you know, the, the show does not does not uh, 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 sort of go into the tropes of, oh, she's a hysterical no. woman or, or whatever. That's not the case at all. No, and I think it very much, it doesn't find any fault with her being upset about her father's sudden death and being able to be scared into a place by a guy who is very disturbed and very scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's, it finds that very understandable. It's very sympathetic to her. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, I think that's all we can say about beyond the sea. 
Uh, and now it is time to talk about Genderbender, which... Um, oh, I, I think my first line, my first note was, oh, good, the transphobia episode. And then it was, it was going, I was like, okay, it's not really about transphobia. That's no. just kind of an incidental. And then at the end, it comes back. And like I said, when this episode shits the bed, it really does. Okay, so I don't really know what you mean by that. I mean, I know what you mean by okay. that, but I don't know what moment you're referring to. So... Which enlighten me where you say the episode shit the bed. Oh, I think once they be all of, all of the bit with the cult was really creepy. The scenes when they're looking through the slats and they're seeing this ritual and Mulder's going through those. That was some of the scariest moments of the series so far for me. That was extraordinarily well done. Um, and then I once you get to the point where they're talking to the guy in the hospital and then you get Mulder who's all like, yeah, bro, I know, you know, he was a man, you know, and so that's where – before that in the episode, the fact that this killer Martin is able to change genders is more treated as not necessarily incidental, but it's it, it comes off as a way of – avoiding the issues that would have if this killer were of a specific gender. In other words, if we have a man who is killing women and other men, then we have somebody who is a rapist and a hate crime person. If you have it, they're just whatever the preferred gender of the victim is, then you just solely have a killer in a way. Um, I'm not saying... This episode, in some ways, is of its time. In some ways, I think they should have rewritten it a little bit differently. Uh, Specifically in that Martin is, especially by the friend, talked about as a male. If it had – at the end, it's revealed they're aliens. They could have gone for the direction of, well, they're not even human and they don't even have a gender. And so it's – we're not dealing with an issue of gender identity because, you know, we we have a – neutral alien species that's putting on a gender just as much as it's putting on human. But the fact that they, again, put it in a, this is a man who turns into women to prey on other men. That is, that's the transphobia part of it. That's, that's a problem because the stereotype of the trans person who lures men and kills people is such a cliche. Yeah, I, I, I I have, I have trouble with that reading of the episode only because it's not that thoughtful. Well, no, it's it's hard to remember what 1993 yeah. was like, but no, but there was no general mm. awareness that trans people even really existed in 1993. Yeah. And so it's yeah. I, it, it it's not quite I don't think your reading is quite justified only because it is it's ahistorical. Yeah, no, I and I will agree with that. There, this is me watching this in 2017, having some awareness of gender issues, having the conversation around it uh, very different. Now, uh, I did look up a little bit about this episode, and there were a couple of mentions about one of the season 10 episodes, for example. Uh, I, I didn't read anything about what they were talking about, but... That episode, I think, when we get to it in 25 years, we will have much more to say along those lines because that is in a very different climate and a very different understanding. You're right. I think this is – it's a thoughtless episode and yet it's – I mean I get what you're saying. I I, I think that it's hard to remember exactly what it was like 20 years ago or I guess it's almost 25 years ago now, but – 
again, there, yeah. there was no general knowledge, understanding of, of the even the existence of trans people, trans as an identity of, of, of gender dysphoria as a, as a legitimate yeah. thing. And the academic understanding was very different than that it is now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, l- let's be clear that there was a, a, a lot of really hard work that that a lot of trans people did mm. to to get this out into the common vernacular and, and for people to understand this yeah. as a uh, identity issue and as a human rights issue and not as a weird thing about men yeah. liking to dress like women because you know and again i think that this episode is much more i mean i think they actually say the word transvestite at some yes. point which is a word that people don't even really use anymore and it's kind of offensive i think to, to trans people well they're they my understanding is that they're two very different things i mean transvestite is simply about wearing another gender's clothing yeah, rather but than I, a desire to be the other whatever. right no i get that but i just mean like in terms of like people that are calling yeah. trans people trans yes that is what is offensive you know and so uh, you know a man that likes to wear women's clothes but does not identify as a woman is obviously not a trans person mm. um but it is the case where the the show is this episode in particular is is showing a bit of i think the sexual politics mm. of it are very strange and I'm not really sure where the episode is going with this. It seems very muddied. It seems yeah. very confused. You know, one of the things about the X-Files in general is that even in even in bad episodes of the show, which I don't I will not go down a road of saying that Genderbender is a bad episode of the show. I mean, it's certainly uh plotted well to some degree. Um although I think that the you could entirely lose the gender switching and the episode would work just fine. Yeah. So I don't know why it's in there. And the show is not do this episode in particular is not doing a good, uh, it's not doing a good job of explaining why this ability is there. It feels like the show is not confident enough in its own abilities to tell this story straight, quote unquote, Without having one more layer of weird paranormal stuff to deal with. And at the end, there's just the, well, it was aliens, which seems very half-assed, especially because, you know, I, I, again, I I mean, I thought this was going to be a bit more Lovecrafty. And again, the cult parts of the episode were very well done. All of that stuff in the cellar is terrifying. And I'm even loath to call them a cult. I mean, well, yeah, fair. You know, I don't know that they're supposed to be a cult. And I think that... You know, I don't know what they're supposed to be, honestly. I mean, the show is very interested in the idea that they're actually aliens of some mm-hmm. sort that were, like, waiting for their spaceship to charge or something. I don't know. Like, why? I, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But I mean, this was a few years before Heaven's Gate, right? Uh, yeah. Heaven's mm-hmm. Gate was 97, so no. But, yeah, I, I don't really, you know, it seems very sort of like we don't know how to end this episode, so yeah. let's make them aliens because this is the X-Files and we haven't talked about aliens in three weeks. I mean, it seems like, again, before they, I was fine with the episode until they got to the hospital scene and it feels like, you know, whoever wrote it got to that point and then just quit and then, okay, we got somebody, you know, Joe, finish that. All right, I don't like trans people, so here's what we're going to do. He wouldn't have even had that understanding of that, as we said earlier. Yeah, and but, I, yeah. I, I, I'm loath to criticize the show for that scene specifically because i do think that that is a real reaction that yeah. some men would have in that situation and 1993 and, was certainly very different i mean i i don't know that yeah. this episode has a good enough understanding of the characters in general i i mean scully's weird line about anyone in this day and age having i can't yes. believe that anyone in this day and age would have ran have sex with a stranger <gasps> seems weird to me because 
How what? could she not believe that? That's something that people have done ever since they were people. And especially <laughs> going at this, I mean, the, 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 there, there was, more, I think, more of a focus, uh, you know, of on casual sex starting around, you know, that again post. If you look at the history of the sexual revolution, post, you know, the late sixties when the pill was invented, you were going to see more people comfortable with well, having the implication. Of course, is AIDS, but yeah, this was nineteen ninety three. Let's I not forget. I love when straight people talk about AIDS, but that's a different story. Um, let's not talk about straight people; but we get in trouble. <laughs> but. uh yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's where that's coming from, right? Yeah. That's coming from a, a, a that's coming from a place in 1993 when yeah. I don't even know how many people were dying of of, of HIV and yeah. AIDS in in the United States and all around the world. So, yeah. so th- this was right before uh, uh, any treatment was available for for HIV. So, yeah. so there it was a death sentence, and yeah, understandably yeah. so. I mean, that was well. I mean, I'm not saying understandably that AIDS was a death sentence. No, no, no. Understandable that the episode would have that line in it, but. It's not explained very well, and it's it's a very clunky line because, yeah. of course, you can understand how someone would have sex with a random stranger. Like, that, Scully is not stupid. Yeah. And it just paints her out to be incredibly naive, and it, yeah. she's not naive, and it just it speaks to the episode's non-understanding of her as a character. I think also key to that is the fact that she is put in sexualized danger when the show has been very careful to never yeah. do that. And that is very disappointing, I find. Oh, yeah. I find that scene much more troublesome to me than the hospital scene. No, no. I Again, there, there are a lot of... It is a very unexamined show. Um, they aren't – a lot of the things are coming off as a little more odious to me in 2017. Again, this – I can see the, the, the character in the hospital scene as, yeah, well, he's a douchey guy. That that makes sense. Uh, but I don't think the episode recognizes how douchey he is. Like I think they just think this is how anybody would be and – it's an unquestionedness. Again, I feel like Mulder bonds a little too much with him or is, I I don't think he's just being nice to this guy to get him to talk. Like, you know what I mean? And especially somebody like Mulder who, you know, likes porn as much as he does. You'd think he'd be a little more open-minded. It's possible. Uh, You know, I I don't know to what degree Mulder is playing along with this guy because he wants to get the information or not. I, I think that both interpretations of that scene might be valid. And I think that the one, the one reason why I would go towards your interpretation of that scene is more to do with the fact that the episode doesn't really seem to understand these characters very well. And so, yeah, I I could definitely buy that. I, you know, I just feel like, I, I, this episode feels like a grab. I mean, you had a problem. We're going to keep going yeah. back to, to squeeze. Like <laughs> you had a problem with squeeze because it felt like a grab bag of powers that did not have anything to do with each other. And I kind of feel like gender bender is yeah. that episode for me. You know, we've got this mysterious Amish offshoot kind of thing, which I think is a very intriguing idea, but you've got the gender bending stuff. You've got the ability yeah. for this character to change genders, which seems strange. Then you've got all this sort of like pheromone talk, which comes out of nowhere and is this sort of half-assed explanation for why this alien being, if it even is an alien being can do this. Does the alien being is, is are, are they specifically murdering these people? Is this just a side effect of having sex? Do they know they're killing these people? Like, well, it seems clear that the alien Martin knows that these people are going to die, but it doesn't seem to care. Yeah. And uh, and that's another thing. Is it, I thought, is it a thing where, you know, we're in a very conservative religion and I'm going to 
eradicate lust from this country one person at a time, or is it just willing to get the pleasures of the world and it doesn't really give a shit if somebody else, you know, gets hurt it, or it, it, yeah, I agree. And it feels to me like this episode is the X files not being confident enough in its ability to tell this story without all of the extraneous elements that, that frankly place it yeah. in, a, in a place of, of, of being objectionable. Well, the, that's the question. The, the, when they wrote this episode, did they say, all right, we're going to have a, a, an episode about a creepy Amish-type religion that turns out to be aliens? And what kind of powers could they have? Or did they start with saying, and the fact that the episode is called Gender Bender and not Kindred suggests... You know, oh, you know, it would be scary, a uh, 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 a killer who could change gender. You wouldn't be safe no matter who you were. And I don't know if I want to read too much into episode titles. Those change a lot. But... Of course. Yeah. I, I mean, either way, I'm not sure which was the impetus for the idea, but I feel like maybe it was the gender stuff. And again, that's not – it says something about the unquestioned assumption that that would be something that a scary killer could have. I yeah I agree with that and I also think that it's it is an unquestioned assumption that that the show would I don't know it's it's because to me I I, I just keep coming back to the idea that I don't know what the episode mm. is really trying to say about yeah. the 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 gender switching stuff and especially since Martin the killer seems to be the only character that is able to switch genders seemingly yeah. on a whim with, with no real explanation as to how he or she is doing it, whereas the other characters have to go into the, the papier-mâché temple and, and bathe in a fountain of cum. Right. And can we talk about, so last week Mulder sees a weird stain on a diner table and he licks it, and now this week he sees a fountain of cum, he dips his paw on it and sniffs it. Like, what is his investigation style? Why? He hey. doesn't even have, like, a glove. Hey, I just have to say, that that is a very very classic time tested scientific method kind of thing <laughs> to do. People uh, used to diagnose diabetes by drinking people's urine. It's just something that scientists do, man. You just got to go with it. They're not always they're not always careful. <laughs> that fountain was disgusting. I loved it. Like it really again, was. this is why I thought those scenes were so scary because that is. It was a really fucking creepy scene. No, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I I I I hope you're finding that that even when the X Files is is, mm. is kind of a mess as this episode is, that there is a a baseline level of not even I don't want to even call it competence. I, yeah. I I I think it's more than that. I think the show is very good at what it does yeah. in creating these set piece scenes that are incredibly creepy and scary. Yeah. And the direction was excellent. It, yeah, the show is very well directed. The cinematography is is very well done. I mean, it's it's very difficult to shoot night scenes like that, especially night scenes where it's raining and have it be uh, uh, visible at all or clear at all as to yeah. what's going on. And you know, so so, and this is still when the show had a, had a very low budget, and I think that we have to kind of, you know, it, it is the thing where the show is still very early. You know, who knows when this script was put into development? It could have even been before an episode had aired. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's early enough that that's certainly a possibility. And the show is going to have missteps. The show is not yeah. going to be successful all the time, but it does have elements that are still. There and I think you know it's it's easy to to criticize an episode like this and certainly it has problems but at the same time you know the acting is still quite good the cinematography the direction yeah. you know all of the the elements of the show that go into this you know are there and 
it is not an unmitigated disaster. And, you know, I don't like to go down a road of fixing episodes, no. but I think that if you, if the show was, was a, just a little bit more confident in its abilities mm. at this point, it would have been just an episode about uh, the kindred yeah. and this one person who left and was murdering people. Yeah. And yeah, okay, you're not going to have uh, any paranormal stuff. Maybe that's okay. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, unlike space, I was not bored at all in this episode. I mean, it was a very, again. I mean, space is just a bad episode yeah. of television. This is not. This has tense moments. It's. I wouldn't necessarily be chamming at the bit to watch this episode again, but I liked watching it when I watched it. And I think it was, again, when it started taking the downhill tumble towards the end and again just ended with, well, it was aliens, you know, it it just had a shitty punchline. When I realized there were three minutes left to the episode, I'm like, they're not going to explain anything. You know, it's just going to be, and it turned out to be, you know, the most lazy explanation. How many alien species are there and how is the government car- you know keeping that much secret i could see them keeping one or maybe two sets of visitors but we've had like six already and the kindred were there for like 90 years yeah. just waiting for their ship to recharge because it takes that long because electricity didn't exist back then mm. well yeah i mean maybe the last thing to say is i you know i do like the fact the show plays around with gender assumptions a little yeah. bit because and specifically i'm thinking about the, the the dinner scene because you know in this kind of oh yeah religious order women are usually not in charge or even listened to necessarily and i think that this episode in particular does a good job of playing around with that yeah you know the woman is kind of in charge of the table the man has that outburst and then the woman is like hey that's not cool and he listens to her and he sits down i I think that kind of stuff is 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 the interesting part of the episode to me yeah and again i think a a 2017 rewrite of this would I think if the episode had focused on uh, this species of aliens, just literally gender does not exist, you know, with them, they reproduce parthenogenically. And so they're just taking on costumes and appearances and, you know, switching from male to female while he's also switching, you know, different men he looks like and different women because he can shapeshift. It's all a costume. He's going to be whatever is the most attractive to the person that they're going to kill, you know, that way. And so, yes, you know, we have a woman leading the thing, but Maybe she, you know, she is quote unquote not really a woman in a way, in in that it's just a representation of an alien species. It's irrelevant. Those gender issues don't as much come into play because among themselves they don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wonder if that would have made the episode taste a little better. Um, speaking of Fountain of Come, but I'm not sure. Well, don't lick your television. <laughs> it's not good for it. Um, the point is, I think if they had scrapped all of the gender shit and it had just been about, and they could even be aliens, they could even kill with pheromones. Sure, we might not necessarily know everything about them in the end. You know, that's okay. It's a little creepy, sure, but it didn't quite hit there. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Well, and the last thing I want to mention before we wrap this episode up is, um, I, I do, you know, in 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 Beyond the Sea, we had that that moment of. Mulder and Scully, or really Mulder trying to comfort Scully and, and sort of yeah. like touching her hair in a very intimate way. And in this episode, we have it where they're running away and holding hands and stuff like that. And yeah. the show is, is is I like the way that their relationship is developing like that. And they're sort of becoming more comfortable with yeah. uh, physical intimacy. But it's not, it's not sexualized in any no. way. And it's not sort of... 
Um, it's it's a very sort of different energy than you might see in a, in a show that was more interested in having this whole will they or won't they thing going on. Yeah, he's more he's he's leading her away not because he's the man or because you know there's a sexual problem, but because she's been drugged and you know right he's helping her again. We're going to see the two of them saving each other. It's fu- you know she's saved him a few times by now, so when he needs to save her, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, which is a way for you to give us a little bit of financial support if you like what we do. Uh, We very much appreciate all of our patrons, and we would hope that you would give us a little bit of money. Social media, we're on it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning In Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. Now that we are starting a brand new television show, it would be a great time to give us some reviews. Next week, we're more than halfway through the season at this point. Oh, wow. I know. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Lazarus and Young at Heart. Mac, why do you...